Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Welcome to High Stakes. This is part two of my conversation with Jordan Cooper. Um, all right, so I, I've kind of asked the uh, GTO versus uh, versus exploitative question that I used to ask, but I've been trying to uh, bring in other questions to kind of get at your uh, thought process in playing DFS, uh, your your uh, your approach to DFS. And these questions, my next couple of questions are going to be pretty obvious to anybody who knows you. Um, they're, they're very simple questions for anybody who knows anything about you, but maybe people who don't know you as well. Uh, these will be kind of new questions and maybe maybe not even because we've been talking about a lot of this stuff already, but I'll just start with how much does ownership play a role in creating your lineups? Uh, immensely. <laughs> I don't think I have to answer more than that. I mean, it's like, I'd, ra I'd rather I'd rather have the R squad, I'd rather have, uh, if, obviously I'd much rather have the actual outcomes. So I, 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 I've said this before. I'd rather have, have more accurate ownership than, than accurate projections. But I don't mean accurate projections as in what's actually going to happen. If I knew right. exactly what was going to happen, I'd rather have that. Yeah. What I mean is that the accuracy of the range of outcomes, which means that the model is has the highest R squared for their actual range. Yeah. yeah. If it says their mean projection is, is 32 and their floor and ceiling of this, that over the course of a million games, it would be all of those things, and that would be the median. Like, not actually what's going to happen, but would I rather have the model accuracy on the projection or the model accuracy in the ownership? I'll take the ownership, like, 10 out of 10 million times. Yep. Uh, obviously, I, I knew the answer to that. I'm sure most of the audience uh, knows you well enough to know that ownership is kind of the, the biggest part of your process, uh, but I figured I should ask it just in case anybody uh, doesn't know you as well. Well, uh, also, then... also, not only is it the bigger part of my process that it's I don't I don't use the I don't use the numbers that the that you guys have or the sites have that I I I adjust yeah the numbers you... based on what I believe human beings are going to do. Yeah, and that's that's the difference between you and I is that you are more confident that you're able to do ownership better than you know the algorithms do when 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 the algorithms algorithms are 
uh, calculated ownership. I am not confident that I can do that. In most cases, there are exceptions where I'm like, obviously the ownership doesn't update when somebody's late scratched in basketball five minutes before the game starts, stuff like that. Then I can, you know, I, I have some idea of what ownership is going to be. But in general, I don't try to calculate ownership on my own. So that is uh, an advantage that you have over most of us being able to uh, accurately calculate what you think ownership is going to be. Well, sometimes I'm wrong and I'm not, I'm not sure, always sure. right, but I mean, in MMA in the past, in the past uh, uh, year or so, uh, my own uh, ownership projections have the, have the best, have the highest R split, my own ones. And let me just tell you, people are going to go, uh, well, can I get them? Kind of like how do how do you compute your ownership? And uh, it is literally not a scientific method at all. I just make sure that they all add up to six hundred because they have to. Mm -hmm. uh, and the ownership that I put in may not actually be feasibly possible. So, like, there may be I may be slightly two percentage points off on a high price fighter, which means I have to be two percentage points on a low price fighter because the salaries don't line up. Okay. That if you tried to do this on like. It physically can't happen. I don't concern myself with that. So, like, like if I'm off by, it, it may not mathematically, like from a from from anyone that's like a math person would go like, well, let me just run this through something and go, dude, this, this came out in you know one over zero, you know, like you know it blew up something. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm doing it completely by. Well, I see the ownership around the industry. I go, uh, that's wrong. That's too high. Uh, People, a lot of people are looking at that and they think that that's a low owned play, but it's not. So now it's actually going to make it a higher owned play because you get that like like second level type of thinking. Uh, and then I just then make a guess and I go, you know, people are going to need a low price fighter, and if they're going to jam in these two guys, so uh, I know that Stochastic has this fighter at sixteen percent, going to be more like twenty two percent, right? When did I come up with the number twenty two? I literally just come up with it. Just sounds good. So impossible to reverse engineer. You could give people exactly what your ownership projections there were, and they wouldn't be able to reverse engineer your process because it's just all in. No, your head. that's my process. You just yeah. heard it. Like there's there's nothing to reverse engineer. All right, uh, all right. Next question. Uh, I actually have the listener question uh, from Carryout Cole, who asked, "How do you feel about duplication in a DFS contest?" And then and then I also add my question, which is, "Is avoiding being duplicated by other players a big part of your strategy in any DFS contest?" Uh, obviously in, in, in small formats, MMA, NFL showdown, like duplication significantly impacts your expected value. Now, there are cases where lineups that are duplicated have such, have a, have an outsized probability of winning first, that even when they're duplicated two, three, four, five times are worth more than a unique lineup that has almost no shot at winning. So there's, there's. This is what we talk about, learning the concepts that it's not, there's not, it's an it depends answer. It's always, it depends. So there are certain lineups that are duplicated five times that are profitable. There are other lineups that are duplicated five times that aren't profitable, right? Because their win probability is lower. There are unique lineups that are awful. Their unique lineups have a high profitability percentage. It all depends on the actual lineup. But I've been experimenting recently on studying, uh, the do inter 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 lineup duplication, mm -hmm. in, 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 not intra lineup correlation, meaning the correlation in your own lineup, but the correlation between the combination of players in your lineup versus the field's lineups, what they look like. 
So people play like in basketball, we get it all the time, right? We had that Jokic and the two 4K players. Yeah. More more lineups that are going to have Jokic are going to have the 4K player in it. More like 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 lineups that have three 7K players are less likely to have a 12K player or a 4K player. Maybe the lineups with three 7K players only have one of those two 4K players. So like people that, that to me, this is the type of stuff that whistles is is doing on his end of the spectrum that I'm trying to reverse engineer to 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 hack together in some way because uh just in using uh in baseball especially with the stacking with like okay everyone's going to play the Dodgers and cores and they're going to play these five guys they're going to play those two pitchers these three other spots I don't know what they're going to play but let's say if I ran uh Different lineups. Let's say that the highest projected lineup with those three players in it. And then I ran a lineup that had only, that took out one of those Dodgers and put in the next highest. Like that was just a four-man stack, Mm -hmm. right? And then just a three-man stack. Like start taking out that correlation, replacing it with another stack completely. How often does one lineup beat the other lineup? If multiple, as each player in your contest has the same type of lineup. So obviously we know that duplication in and of itself of a full lineup is bad, right? So let's take the most extreme example of a three-man contest. The three-man contest, if you you're two if you two opponents dupe, like they've just destroyed their EV in this contest. Like 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 unless you're unless you played all injured players, like most likely you you're a plus EV that you're positive equity and they're negative equity. Mm-hmm. Simply, they could have the highest projected lineup. I could have a lineup that's ten points lower projected, and my lineup's profitable and theirs isn't because theirs can never win first by itself. It's going to be a ten dollar three man, twenty seven dollars to first, thirteen fifty each for both of them when they win. But my lineup, right? Let's say I I'm the other guy, and let's say I have all of their players except, and it's a one v one. I have a slightly different player, right? So basically it comes down to, does my player beat out those two play- Like, because they have the same lineup. Mm-hmm. So if it's, you know, player A versus player B twice. So when, if I see that player A beats player B only 45% of the time, but 45% of the time I beat both lineups at the same time. So, and I get three X the money. Yeah, take that. When they win, they, they get two X the money and they have to split it. So like, if we get that extreme example, and I like learning by using extremes because especially in math, if the extreme is correct, typically as you scale it, it's, it stays the same, like it's constant. If it applies in one situation, it applies in all situations. So like, well, if I'm a 1v1 off, then what happens if I'm a 2v2 off? What happens if I'm a 3v3 off? Now my range of outcomes starts going down, but at what point in which is, is the not being correlated to the other lineups better compared to the projection. So I've been running little simulations in Excel and looking and downloading my contest data. I'm still uh, gathering data. Like I just have my contest histories and I'm just mm-hmm. getting them so I could look through and basically just running, nor- and I'm not running anything that's that's complicated. It's, it's essentially just normal distribution. They're not even proper distribution. Just, I'm, I'm treating everything as, a, as it's a normal distribution and just going, as I changed my lineup compared to the uh, the field's lineups, 
in a three-man, in a five-man, very small. Because I know that if this is true here, it's true in the extreme. Because it is true in the extreme. That's the concept of relative value, which I talk about in theory of DFS. Yeah. Why getting different in GPPs is, is profitable, depending on how much part of projection you're sacrificing for doing so. But what's the extreme scenarios? Well, in, in, in these three-mans and five-mans, a lot of times... The chalk is the chalk, like in the single entry, 200-man contest, a guy that's like 29% owned in the large field is maybe 45% owned. And if that's the case, that means if that guy's owned, if this other guy's owned, then these combinations show up very, you know, if, if, you, if you have this, if you have Jokic and the cheap 4K guard, you most likely have this $6,200 small forward also in your lineup because mm -hmm. this small shooting guard, you're more likely to have, like, you start to see where what what the what the, the 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 correlation coefficient of the players in other people's lineups. Because remember, everything that I do is kind of based on exploiting the field. So I like studying the field of lineups. And with you know how I started doing this? Why? Studying whistles. That's that. But your your interview with whistles, and I'm like, how can he just win based on using projections and optimization? And then I started going through my head and trying to just rack my brain of like concepts that would apply. Like what, how does that make sense? And then I start thinking of how I play MMA and go like, how many combinations are here? How many combinations are there? If you play this high price fighter, you're probably playing the, the underdog here. I'm going, wait a minute. And then I looked at some past MMA contests, especially in, in, in contests where someone won solo and had a lineup that was like 49-7 that didn't even contain a fighter that was under 15% owned. And I'm like, how the hell did that happen? And then I look, and the correlation coefficient of the line, the line it's just a weird combination that if the only way to get that combination is if you faded that guy and that guy, and then still played that, like, it's just that, it just was a combination. Like, there was a, like a four-player combination that, so many fewer lineups had, even though those four fighters were still decently owned. It's just that a lot of a lot of lineups had three of them. But once you got down to that fourth one, it really dropped the amount of lineups that were there. Then once you get to the fifth one, it dropped it down even more that you take a look and it's like a 49-7 lineup that's solo. And it's like, well, how did I not get to that lineup? Like that's that. And it, because ownership product would say not to play it. Right, ownership. Some would say not to play it, but mm -hmm. that combination, just based on the field, was just—it's the combination of those players. You see that in NFL Showdown. Yeah. So once I saw that, I'm like, okay, there, there's something here. There's something here, and now I'm experimenting stuff in like baseball three mans to see. Can, I'm trying to. I'm trying to look. I'm trying to see how I could quantify it because I I'm hacking through stuff. This is stuff that nerdy tenor could figure out by running his simulations or whatever, and probably other people can also. Me, I'm just taking concepts and using very simple tools to try to like figure out if the concept, number one, is correct. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. 
If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. And then where about is that line? I know I'm not going to be precise on that line, but my entire DFS career has not been about being precise it's more about being directionally right so i feel that that the fields are weak weak enough that if i'm directionally right on this i've not i can now add another 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 lever if you want to call it i always use these levers into the arsenal that i think people may have been over this this is like the next step like 2015 if you were talking about ownership people were like what is ownership matt Right. And if you t- it's 2022, no one says that. Right. Right. So it's like now we're duplication in showdown 2018. What does that matter? What do I care? I'm just trying to find the winning lineup. Right. Now it matters. So like this next thing of like, like what are the, co- how do the combinations like affect your EV? Mm-hmm. Cause there's nothing. I don't, I, I, as far as I know, there's nothing that really shows that anywhere. And how quantifiable is it? And how, and is it marginal? Is it not? It has to, to, from what I gather, it has to have some effect. I just don't know how much of an effect it has. Right. So one, one uh, thing that you sort of brought up in it, uh, you just sort of uh, reminded me of a conversation that you had in, in your latest episode of Theory of DFS with the sports projections guy. Uh, he mentioned that part of his EV calculation is not just how many uh, dupes a lineup has, but how many one-offs it has from other lineups that are duplicated. So like if you are one-off from a lineup that is heavily duplicated, that is still a negative thing for your lineup, which, you know, I had never thought about that until I actually had a, a private conversation uh, with, with another guy who does projections and, and makes his projections public and shows, you know, uh, his EV calculations for various lineups. And that's one of his columns is how, how many uh, one-offs, one, possible one-offs are you, uh, are duplicated from, are are how many lineups are there that are used that are one-off from this lineup? It's part of his EV calculation as well. And that's something that, uh, I mean, you were just kind of uh, talking about that, how, how that's an important factor in looking at the EV of lineups. And that's something that, you know, to me intuitively, in MMA in particular, is not something that I had ever really thought about because in my mind, well, in MMA, you know, the uh, the optimal lineup is going to win all the time. And that's the reason that it matters is because that's not actually true because oftentimes, more often than I had thought, the optimal lineup doesn't win in MMA. So that's also a, a big part of, you know, the equation of it's not just avoiding duplicates. It's avoiding being one off from a lineup that's heavily duplicated is also uh, kind of kind of an important part of keeping your lineups plus EV that I, I was missing. Uh, and that's part of how, how I turn my 
MMA lineups from, at least in this one guy's, the, the guy that I was talking to, turned my lineups from being negative EV to, as a set, slightly positive EV. Still not, uh, you know, not on your level or the, the better MMA players, but just like that one little factor of, you know, making sure that I'm not one off from uh, a lot of other lineups uh, is one way to uh, make your lineups more positive EV. Is, is that something that you factor in? I mean, it no, it like is that something is... that I factor in. I, ta I, I talk about it in the course theoryofdfs.com it's in the construction section i say mo but very like remember the course is more for concepts mm -hmm. not for application as much uh but so many people you know would ask me it's like well i just want to like they're playing small field gpps or something and they go oh, well i don't have to give up that much projection as long as i'm like uh you know i get slightly different instead of playing that guy i play this guy i said said if you're going to give up, let's say, three points in projection, we're just making up a number, right? You give up three points in projection. Would you rather give up three points in projection by taking the, the lineup that you believe is the best lineup or whatever, uh, and then replacing one of the guys with a lineup with a, with a player that is just three points projected lower than that player? And then that's it. So, so what is your win condition? Just think logically, right? This is not mathematical or anything. Logically, how do you win this contest? You, okay, you need two things to happen. You need all the chalk, pretty much all the chalk to go off, yep. right? You need all the chalk to go off, and your one differential has to be better than everyone else, right? So, like, so you're basically, you're relying, you're riding and dying on that one guy, right? If that one guy doesn't, doesn't work out for you. That's the difference between you coming in first or coming in 700th place because mm -hmm. there's so many more combinations of the seven other basketball players that you have in that lineup, Right? So that's a 1v1. Now, what happens if you could still sacrifice three points in projection, but you're now a 4v4? So instead of taking one guy out for a guy that's three points lower projection, you're taking four guys out that all have a 0.75 lower projection. So the lineup as a whole still has the same exact projection that you had with the other lineup, but now you're four, four people different. Think of the win condition. Okay, if all the chalk hits, you lose, right? Because most likely you only have half of the chalk, right? So essentially you have half of the chalk and half different. So if the, all the chalk hits, you're dead, right? But the the winner's winning score is 435, and good luck having the having that one guy that did that had 70 points. It's like you're gonna see so many people trying to compete for that first place spot. Now, if half the chalk fails. And it's the chalk that you played. You're really, you're you're really down there, right? Yeah. But if half the chalk, if half the, if it's if it's a two v two, like half the chalk fails, but you have two of them and two of the good ones, right? Now you kind of maybe you min cash or something. Mm -hmm. But if you have the the four pieces that do well, you now have four shots at winning first place. You have to, like you need an outlier result essentially from one, two, or these of these four guys. You may not even need a fire emoji out of one of the guys you may even be able to win with raw points on some slates some some guy has 39 points and a snowflake may still end up being in the winning lineup but you're giving yourself outs now this is not this is not the best way to explain this mathematically but for someone that may not understand the concepts of why the overlap matters this shows that like it's so much easier to win first by being significantly off of the the popular constructions and combinations and types of lineups 
as long as you're not sac- in basketball, you're not sacrificing 40 points to do so, obviously. Right. But given the choice, you're you're essentially trying to balance projection versus ownership. But in order to do that, it's very easy to say, how do I play a lineup that's 10 points lower projected? Well, you could just take out a guy that projects for 34 points and replace him with a guy that projects for 24. And you're done. 10 points lower projection. Obviously, that guy that that, that you took out is 30% on. The guy you put in is 1% on, right? Or like barely on at all. Overpriced and never going to – horrible. Like you – if you were just looking at ownership sum and projection, you may play that line. If you were using an optimizer, you may even play that lineup. You may not even understand that that lineup's in your 150 set, right? And you're like, this, and the lineup would be negative EV. It'd be like, well, it has the same ownership sum. And it's say, yeah, but it's, it, it, it's not just about that. It's about multiple variables at the same time. So even in the course, I, I, construction-wise, think more of how to get different in construction type while still maintaining projection rather than considering just projection and just ownership. And I didn't go into the biggest of details there because then we get have to go into very sports-specific type of stuff or or stuff that you would have to run through simulations to be completely accurate. But uh, in the next, in the, in the, in the follow-up course, the, the advanced players, we will be talking about that a lot. Nice. Um, all right. Uh, so I got a series of kind of joke questions that are fairly similar. Um, but maybe I guess I, I'll ask the first one uh, just because maybe you have some kind of answer for it. Uh, it's at least uh, more answerable, I think, than the rest. Uh, Alex Santi, who has been a guest on your show, asks, how many lineups should I play the chalk pitcher in? <laughs> there's at least you, there's an answer, I guess. Or you can, you know, give what, a, whatever, whatever's your, optimal, obviously, whatever's optimal and as many lineups as the optimal frequency should entail. Yep. <laughs> um perfect all right that's a, that's a good enough that's a good yeah enough how, how do you that figure question. that out though i have no idea go figure yeah, no, it out who knows yeah exactly um all right uh and then and then we got a bunch of uh questions that are not even uh possible to to answer really uh greg Ehrenberg asks says ask him who the locks are nerdy tenor says who are the best plays young ben stiller says who should i play today you for tfs says have him sell us a lineup uh so i'll ask you all first of all uh who should young ben stiller play uh, he should play whoever he wants. All right. That's, that's what I wanted you to say. I just wanted to get your, your catchphrase <laughs> in there. Uh, why do you think these people, why do you think all of these people, uh, landed on this same, uh, joke question for you? Cause that's what I say all the time. Play whoever you want, but the c- people don't understand. That's not me being con- like, I'll play whoever you want. Like I'm trying to get rid of you. It's that on most slates, if you, if you were as a decision tree, like, if you think linearly, I'm not saying you should be thinking linearly, but if you think linearly and you go, ah, uh, today in baseball, I want to play Vlad Guerrero. Well, he's fine. Now, once you decide on playing Vlad Guerrero, well, depending on the contest you're in and whatever, the rest of you, like, you're more likely to play other Blue Jays, right? Because you're playing baseball and you're going to correlate, unless you want to play him as a one-off. Well, he's also expensive, Right, so that means you probably have to play a cheap second baseman. So it's like you could start from any player in the player pool, essentially, right? And if you start from anywhere, you could figure out how to build a lineup around that player that is plus EV, right? So maybe in football, you're not playing seventh wide receivers or stuff like that, but like within reason, yeah, right. Pretty much in baseball, you could have literally anyone that's starting. Yeah. You could you could you could play any batter or even any pitcher, no matter what their price or whatever projection or anything like that. You want to play the ninth hitter of some team that's horrible 
and that's $2,500. And, uh, well, stack that team. Play them as a one. Like, you could start from that point no matter what. So when people ask the question of, like, without the context of the contest and the lineup, like, what else am I supposed to say? Like, did, do you like this guy? I don't – you could fit him into a lineup. It just it depends on the rest of your lineup, right? Yep. Does it fit for a projection and ownership purposes? Yeah. And if you want to start from that point, oh, I, I, I think this guy's going to have big uh, some narrative or make up a – randomly choose a line. You have 659 players in the pool. Go to random.org. Go to 0 to 659. Uh, 374. So whoever the 374th player on your spreadsheet is, Start with that player. You, If you want to start building a lineup with that guy, you can go right ahead, right? That's what play whoever you want really means. Yep. All right. Uh, we we have, I'm just scrolling down there. I realize that we still have a lot of questions to go, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to try to just, I'm going to keep asking them until I decide that um, I, I delete some because there are too many and we have already been going for over two How many could there be? I answer questions all the time. Yeah. But uh, I mean, people have unique questions and uh I don't know. You don't. You don't. You ask for questions on Twitter usually. So maybe that's why people I do are it like, on oh, my yeah, shows every on... morning. I I I'm in discords. I answer everything. I answer emails. Nevertheless, we got okay. a lot of questions here. All right. Uh, Alex K says, in a 20 max MMA GPP with no cancellations, where every fight combines for 16.2k salary, how many lineups should my highest owned fighter be in? And how many total fighters should I use? Then he says, same question said with more flexibility. Should more than one fighter be in all my 20 lineups? If so, how many? Again, regular slate, no cancellation, 16.2K salary for every fight. Well, I'm assuming that's a joke question. I think it was a serious question. If it's a serious I question, then, well, then you're asking that it depends. I mean, like the, 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 these, are, these, these, are the magic, these are the magic button questions. How many should I have? Like, I to me, those are the ones that 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 I I don't like the, the the most. Every lineup is independent of one another. Feel free to, to, to when people say how many I have twenty lineups. Should I play the guy into all twenty lineups? It's like what, what's your risk tolerance? Are all twenty lineups plus EV? Yes. Okay, so play him. Say, but what happens if that guy loses? Well, then you lose all your money, right? If that guy does well, all of your lineups do well. So like that's that's a diversification question is your are your individual line of plus ev is a more important question than how many of something that you play because it doesn't matter how many of anything that 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 i get this all the time neil and i do coaching calls yep. uh as, as part of another site uh and they'll show me their their exposures and i go well i i was i was i was i was four times the field of this guy i was four times the field of that guy i was way under than the guy that busted and I lost like 60% of my money. Like, how, how is that possible? And I look at their lineups and I go, yeah, because your lineups are hard. <laughs> is that, yeah, but I was 60% on a 20% guy that put up that many points. I said, yeah. And he just so happened to be in, in, in your 40% of guy that, that did horrible. He was in all of those lineups, right? So it's like your guy that put a, your guy that was hit the ceiling. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. 
If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Like all of those lineups had a guy that got a zero or something. Like, like that's your fault. Yeah. Like that's not that's not it, yeah, but I had more of him and like you're you're why are you describing things as exposures? Why are you describing things like that? Said that's a representation of your portfolio, but not necessarily a representation of your lineups. Now, good players, I could decipher what they're doing by looking at exposures because I know they're building plus EV lineups, and I also know how certain people diversify more than other people, right? If you go through and study in what lineup rewind or other places uh, or download it yourself and do it. So like, that's why I said, is this a joke question? Because like, th- there's no, there's no right answer. Like the lowest owned fighter on the slate, like the biggest underdog that's God knows that wins 4% of the time. That's 3% owned. You could have an whole 20 year lineup. And there is an instance of one out of, you know, three out of a hundred times that he wins and he's under owned. And you have 100 combinations of that time. You're giving yourself a lot of shots of winning in that spot. But if he doesn't win tomorrow or whatever, all your lineups are pretty much dead. So it's like, so that's it. So do you want to take the risk? Well, should I play him in 50% of your line? Like that, that isn't the questions you should be asking. It's like, are those lineups individually plus EV? Now it matters of how many of those can you build? And are most lights, you could build tons of them. More than 150 by far. So that once you could build... One, you could build five, you could build 10, you could build 50, you could build 300, you could build 3,000. And now you're at 3,000. And you're like, well, I can only, I'm only going to play 20. Well, now it's just choose, choose. How many, how much, how much risk, uh, you know, just like stocks. How many of one thing do you want, right? There's these high variance outcomes. There's the low variance outcomes. Depending on how much you're risking in your bankroll, the more you're playing of your bankroll percentage-wise, you probably want to diversify more or your risk of ruin starts going up, right? If you're playing much less of your bankroll, kind of like what I do, I don't mind taking on a bit more risk on a slate because if I'm playing a half a percent of my bankroll, it ain't that big of a deal if I go, I'll play 70% of this guy because I think that I have way much of an edge in this spot and that's what I choose to do. And when they lose, oh, well, minus 95% on the slate, but it's only half a percent of my bankroll rather than some people that play seven to 10% of their bankroll. It's like, I think diversification matters a lot more to you, but that is the variable that you should be concerned yourself when it comes to how many of something you should be playing. But the first thing is to make sure the lineups individually are plus EV, that you're not playing, oh, well, in my 20 lineups, 
uh, 10 of my lineups are duped 40 plus times. Well, then it doesn't matter how many of anything you have anymore. No, these lineups are hard. Yeah. So I, I think that this is a serious question just because I know Alex K and he generally asks serious questions uh, for guests of this show. I will say, I, I, I think this question just leaves out too many variables, both in terms of what your goals are, what your risk tolerance is, and then also just in terms of doesn't tell you anything about like the ownerships of the fighters, their odds of success, any any of that. So I think that just uh, too, too many variables were left out here to even give close to what you think. So imagine I can answer be. the question. I could just say two. Like yeah. that that doesn't exist. Like like that, that, there's no such there's no such answer in DFS that I, I I joke around. I say if I could if I could answer the question with a yes or a no or an actual number, it's a it's a stupid question. There aren't many there aren't many there aren't many questions in DFS that you can answer with a definitive yes, a definitive no, or an exact number. Yep. It's always more likely, less likely around this, around that. But if you, if someone could just say two, then that there's no this that that's why I said it's a bad it's a to me that's a bad question. Fair. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Jordan Cooper to remind you to give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and much more. Once you subscribe, hit that notification button to get alerts when our shows go live. Be sure to also check out our monthly podcast giveaway. Just subscribe to our podcast channel and leave a five-star review with your Stochastic username or Twitter handle to be entered to win a free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. Uh, all right, well, then we will move on to the next question uh, from Mark Kiefer, who says, something that I would love to hear your take on, since you are a self-proclaimed nit, often the type of question I am going to ask, you will respond by saying it depends on risk tolerance, goals, etc., and obviously you don't know all of those. But then he, he poses a hypothetical. Say you know what you currently know now, uh, and you aren't limited on any sites. If you were constrained to $100 a month of depositing, what strategy would you take to build up your bankroll? I think uh, I think the question, I know we mentioned about goals and stuff like that. The, the, the key part of that question is the, the last few words. Build up a bankroll. And I'll tell you why that's important. Why are you building up a bankroll? Okay. So if you could only deposit it for this fictional scenario where you can only deposit $100 a month, like that the sites won't let you do anything. You're starting from zero. And once I put $100 into DraftKings today, I can't for another 30 days put in another $100. I could do that on FanDuel, Yahoo, whatever. Uh, if your goal is to make money, then what I would say is to withdraw, withdraw your money and not play DFS. Because the amount of time that it would take to you, you might as well get another job. I mean, like, like the, the advice that I give to people with small bankrolls is to not play DFS. If that's your actual bankroll, because I, I think that most people don't understand what an actual bankroll is. Said, I can only afford to play $100 a month. It's like, well, to go from $100 to $1,000 takes a long time. Okay. To go from $1,000 to $10,000 takes about the same amount of time, but it's $9,000 in real money. Going from $10,000 to $100,000 takes maybe about the same amount of time. That's $90,000 in raw money. So to go from, a, if I told you that it would take you over a year with a, as, as low of a risk of ruin as, you can still have risk of ruin. 
It'll take you a year to go from $100 to $1,000 playing every day in DFS, which includes study time and everything like that. That's $900 in raw money. Isn't there something better you could be doing for $900 a year worth of raw money? And if you're looking to, quote, build up a bankroll, wouldn't it be better to go from 1000 to a to a 10000 immediately? To, just save up another 900, save up $900. So you start with a thousand, right? I know he's putting this fake $100 a month limit on it, but then your goal is not to build a build a bank. Like what's, what are you doing it for? Okay. So the, obviously this artificial limit doesn't exist. So if you only had discretionary income of a hundred dollars a month, like, my attitude would be get another job so you get in some way of finding more discretionary income rather than than taking the hundred dollars and risking it. But it let's say we that's my caveat to that. Okay. Like, why are you doing it anyway? Get a job at McDonald's and it would be better off doing it that way. If you're looking to build a bankroll to get from a a thousand dollars to ten thousand dollars, so much easier just doing an actual job that you have absolutely no risk downside risk. And it's just all time. Mm -hmm. You're most, you're most likely going to make ten nine thousand $9,000 in a side job by doing something like that. And then, then you could start playing. Then once you have 10,000, then you start playing DFS, right? Then it would be more worthwhile of your time. But let's say you only had a hundred dollars. I, most people, I, I've made this maybe controversial or something, or I'm just weighing the things together from a utility perspective uh people would expect me to say play the go bum hunting play the one dollar head-to-heads right play five percent right you pay five dollars on the, and you go and you're you're doing the bummiest of bum hunting right really just finding slates playing a dollar here a dollar there finding no badger head-to-heads and just and just using a site's projections or something like that just playing the optimal and just trying to find the worst of the worst at the $1 level and then go from there. But even the worst of the worst of the $1 level, you're probably still only a 70% favorite over or something like that. So like you're going to be, I mean, really, really grinding. I mean, that's why I said going from a hundred dollars to a thousand dollars doing that is going to be a grind of a grind. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if your goals are to make a significant amount of money playing DFS, it may be more worthwhile to use the hundred dollars to take shots. And even if, and if you go broke on a hundred dollars in a month, then next month you deposit a hundred dollars. I'm not saying to go all in on a slate or something like that, but play like play the large field MMA contest, just, but just play one entry and make sure it's a unique entry. Right. And just play that. Right. And then, you know, that's $15 right there. And maybe an NFL showdown, like those, those types of contests where you could maybe, maybe, maybe play the very top heavy baseball on a day on a $3 contest, like, and just make sure you play a very risky lineup. Like you're playing, like you're not playing the chalk. You're not looking to min cash at all. You care about first place equity and that's it. And you take a bunch of shots in a month and you lose a hundred dollars. Then you may be done in five, five or six days, and then you're you're done until the next month, and then you do it again, 
and you do it again the next, maybe you spend a year, maybe two years, basically going broke every month on $100. Yeah. But if you do happen to hit, you're going to hit $10,000, $20,000, $50,000, And once you do that once, you're set forever, right? So like, as long as, remember, the caveat is that you know what you know now. This is not like your beginner player. You're like, I can make unique MMA lineups. I can make NFL showdown lineups. Like, as a nit, you would go, oh, just grind out the $100. I said, I, I think from a utility perspective, that the time invested into grinding out dollar contests for like, uh, uh, for a 17% ROI at best, and maybe 8 to 10% on really bad players. Like, is it even worth the time to do rather than just play high variance lineups in, in the contests that have the most dead money in them? And YOLO, hopefully, these are all very high plus EV lineups and hope that, you know, the main event fails in MMA and you have that 8% owned fighter that against the other guy that's 58% owned and you just played that one lineup and it's like, oh, solo 100,000. And now, now you don't have, now you never have that problem ever again. Now you have a hundred thousand dollar bank for it. Now you, you don't have to deposit a hundred dollars into the sites anymore. Do you think, Neil, do you think it's weird for me to say that? Or do you think that I'm, maybe I have a point, I'm not even sure what the right answer is, but to me, if you have a hundred dollars to spend, I think that there's, there's more value. If you're paying your bills and you're happy with the rest of your life, that grinding out, grinding out $20 a month on a hundred dollars and bum hunting and spending all that time doing that, it's just not worth the time for what the reward is. It's like, yes, I'm going to do this and then move up and move up. And maybe, maybe 12 years from now, I have a hundred thousand dollars rather than, yeah, maybe I do this. And maybe by the end of the year, I, ha- I either I'm out 12, $1,200 or I got a whole ton of money, right? That it may be from a utility perspective, you could afford it. Why not? Why not go for that? Especially if you know you have an edge. I think it all depends on, uh, you know, your goals. And like for some people, DFS is a form of entertainment and they'd rather play every day. So if you want, if you just want to be able to play DFS every day, I can see validity to just playing, you know, a dollar a day or, you know, $5 a day, whatever, to, to make sure that you always have money in your account. If that is, if what you want to do is play DFS every day, and maybe there's utility there in learning how to play if you play every day to see how other people are playing and to get better over time there might be utility in playing like the mini max or or something like that uh as a way to build up your bankroll but i agree that uh probably what you are suggesting is what i would do as somebody who just uh likes to play those the the higher variant style and would get bored just maxing out playing uh double ups every day so yeah we can sim this out i mean this is a this is this is something that could be solved like if you could define your edge in like let's say head to heads, in one dollar head to heads, and you played five, played five percent of your bankroll a day, in one dollar head to head, doesn't matter what the sport is or anything. And let's say you you say that you're a, even a sixty, on average a sixty two percent favorite, which is mm-hmm. it's just big. So maybe you're not even bum hunt like because they get five of them, you're probably not going to find five people that are you're a seventy percent favorite over. So let's just say sixty two percent. And let's say you spend $5 and you play five $1 head-to-heads every day. And then you take, we could take an NFL showdown or MMA or something like that. And we define uh, the, you know, the edge of your one lineup. 
like a one fifteen dollar lineup or something like that, uh, and you play that every day. And obviously, sometimes you min cash, sometimes you're five x or whatever. But that's all you do. But you're playing a lineup that has like you know that's a a dollar twenty four or something like that. You know, something that's above the rake or whatever. And then you simulate that that out, but you only have a hundred dollars in in your in your in your bankroll. It's like, what is the average amount of time that you bink some that 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 you let's say you gain a thousand even just a thousand dollars? Like, because sometimes maybe you'll you maybe you'll come in tenth place and you'll get eight hundred dollars or something, and now that that puts your bank your quote bank your your bankroll up to a thousand, and we call that a win. Right, so it doesn't have to be fifty thousand, but just to get to a thousand. How long will it take you to get to a thousand dollars with the grindy, 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 grind? And then how often? And obviously, you go broke way less doing that. Yeah. You go broke extremely high doing it the, the other way. But like, what's the average time for that? And what's the variance of those two things? You like those things can be simulated out, assuming yeah. that you can actually put like. An ROI and add an EV on the things which yep, you can. may not you may not have. Yeah, and I mean I don't know how to calculate my EV. I don't think you know how to calculate your EV. In no, and contests. it's impossible. Yeah, I mean people try with simulations to calculate their EV, but uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty impossible to do. Um, all right, uh, let's move on. Uh, we got a question from Anthony Amico. On the theory of DFS, Jordan talked about potentially becoming an edgelord and bringing up his play more on different slates throughout the day. Uh, I would be curious to know if he's tried that at all yet and what the results have been. Uh, I've not I've not done that yet. I've been focusing more on the, the, these MLB three-mans, five-man stuff and working out that type of thing. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I finding, your, finding edges in places, I mean, that's the key to, to anything. I mean, like... In any game, in any in any form of life, so like I don't want to dismiss edges that I know exist just because they don't seem like they're worth the time until I see if they're worth the time. I think that's a better like I've 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 seen that there are edges and go I'm not sure if it's worth it. But the suggestion when we talk about this hundred dollar a month thing, if we don't put this arbitrary limit of like you can only play a hundred dollars. The smaller the bankroll that you have, the more important you should be looking for the edges that you can exploit that are big, that may be big in percentage, but less in raw money. Because to a small bankroll, the raw money is a lot more. If you have a $1,000 bankroll and you have an edge that, like, I could pretty much automatically make $14 a day doing this one thing over and over again. Well, that matters a lot more for a $1,000 bankroll than a $100,000 bankroll. So it's like, for me, if you tell me, like, uh, yeah, yeah, if you just do this one thing in this sport and whatever, and you enter these contests, and it's a half an hour worth of work, but your expected return, you probably could get about about $100 worth of volume, and you're, you're pretty much going to make $15 expected return, and the risk of ruin is very low. I may look at the 15 raw dollars and go, I don't think it's worth a half an hour to even do. Right, right. But if you have a five hundred dollar bankroll, it's extremely valuable for you to do. Right. So finding those edges, if it's in tiers, if it's in stake drafts, is it what whatever? Finding the bad players everywhere, your your profitability is going to be more determined by who you're playing against than the skill of your opponent. If you're using tools here at Stochastic, 
or anywhere around the industry, playing someone that doesn't do any of that, you have a massive edge yeah. on, especially in smaller contests and head-to-heads, three-mans, anything like that, that's simply running running a lineup that's, you know, a 60-plus percent favorite against them, like, just find them. And sometimes you're not just finding them at the $1 level. Sometimes you're finding them at the $100 level, right? I'm not saying to take that risk if you only have a $1,000 bankroll or something, but at the low levels, like, go and look. Go check out the head-to-head head lobby every half an hour and go, is there a, someone that doesn't have a badge? Most likely, randomly, they're most likely to be worse than you. It doesn't mean they can't win. Go to the three-man lobby. Are there anyone you don't recognize? Like, like, dude, go to any of the, the, the turbo the turbo baseball slate at 8 o'clock. Yeah, the main field GPP is it's garbage. $15 entry in a 1,000 a first or something. But you go look down, you go, oh, there's a there's a four-man winner-take-all, and there's two people in there I've never seen before, okay? And it's a $10 contest, and maybe that's the only contest you play on that slate. Well, there's $10, you, you found the weakest people. You found, you, there, there's no reason you shouldn't be doing that if you're, look, if you're looking to grind a small bankroll up, finding the worst players and playing against them. Once you get to the... The hot higher levels. This is a show. It's called high stakes, right? When I when when I'm playing six to eight thousand dollars worth of volume on a, on a football slate, like the the and I can't even play the one to three dollar contests. Uh, though though those three mans, the two out of three, and I go and I look and I see that it's you know it's uh it's 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 Adam, and someone without a badge. Like, dude, you know how many three mans there are in that lobby on an NFL Sunday, and I'm gonna go and look at the entrance for all of them. When I'm already playing like eight thousand dollars worth of all, it just it's is it is it even worth the time to do? I may be looking at the fifty dollar ones, the hundred nine dollar ones, mm-hmm. but just because I it's not worth it to me doesn't mean it can't be worth it to you, right? And I'm not I'm not that much of a nit that is like oh, I'm going to spend sixteen hours a day trolling the lobby, like I I'm I, dude I don't need to just eke out as much EV as physically possible because I also want to have some type of relaxing life. I'm not just doing that. All right. So that was uh, the last question that we had that was uh, related to DFS uh, theory and process. Uh, and I, I hesitate to throw in my own question when we have a bunch of other miscellaneous listener questions remaining. But I'm, I'm just going to – I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this uh, from a self-evaluation standpoint. If somebody is trying to self-evaluate their own DFS play, what do you believe is the best metric for determining whether you're any good as a DFS player? I have my own. It may it, it, it may not work for other people. Uh, comparing comparing your comparing your lineups to sharper players and comparing what you expected them to look like versus what they actually look like. So like oh like I, it comes down to ownership to me. So like if you're if you're in the situation, like this is the bare basics. This is not like looking at Roto Track or anything like that. If you're if you're going into an NBA slate and you're like, yeah, everyone's gonna do this and do that and do this, and I'm gonna do this and that. And next thing you know, the guy that you think is 11% owned ends up being 38% owned, and the guy you think is gonna be 50% owned is 8% owned, then you're doing something wrong. Like, like, yeah, everyone's playing, yeah. Oh God, this is a revenge game, and everyone's gonna play Jimmy Butler in this spot. Like, like obviously you have tools that you could look at and see that most likely that's not going to be the case 
I'm not saying ownership projections around the industry are perfect, but they're directionally right. I mean, they're, you know, something that's projected to be 56% owned doesn't come in at 5%, yeah. right? They're going to be one of the most owned players on the slate. But there are plenty of people that they think that oh, everyone's going to do this. Oh, everyone's going to play that. And everyone's going to, and then everyone is 8% owned. It's like, well, obviously you were wrong. And if you're going to be that wrong on that thing, that how could you be a profitable player? At, at, at that point, you, anything, any result is most likely going to be luck. You may end, you may end up on plus EV lineups, but you didn't even intend on them. It just happened that way. So to me, it's like how you expect the field to react versus how they actually do, to me, is a much better indicator, at least for me, on uh, how well that you play because all, all of your decisions are based on that. So I have some slate. There are some slates that I'm way off. So I remember one basketball slate this past season where uh, I thought one guy, with, uh, one center was going to be like under 10% owned. And I was playing I was playing him based on the fact that he was too low owned. Mm-hmm. Came in at 35%. And I don't know, it, it was a smaller slate. It was like a five-game slate. And I'm like, why was that? It was primarily because like one source had a higher projection than another source. It was one of those situations where we didn't know one guy could have actually a six minutes pr- a higher projection than another guy. And I'm like, well, I'm going to play him just in case that happens. And it turns out some other industry source was like, nope, we're going to project him for that anyway. And next thing you know, it's 35% owned. But that just means that all the leverage in my lineups is wrong. Yep. Like that's all like I played him like he's the low owned part of my lineup when he's actually the chalky part of my lineup. And now I'm playing lineups that are too owned and, t- and look too much like other lineups. <coughs> If I would have gotten that decision right, my lineups would have been better. So to me, that's that's the best indication of whether or not you're viewing the game properly in the first place, regardless of your results. And then the second is, do my lineups look a lot like their lineups, right? Right, oh, they played a lot more of this guy than, and I played a lot more of that guy. Okay, that's a signal, right? Oh, I played a, oh, I played a lot, I played, a, I played 20 lineups and I put this guy into 15 out of 20 of my lineups. In, in MMA. And then you go and you study the top 20 players or something. And they were all like, like half the field, half the field had like, oh, like they didn't play as many lineups with them. Doesn't mean your lineups aren't plus EV. Cause maybe you could still have plus EV lineups with that guy, but it seems like in a vacuum, most of the sharper players played lineups that didn't have that guy in him. So maybe you were off. Right. And then you take a look at like top one percentage rates, but you need a very large sample size, even for that. And, and even then, it's not the greatest of metrics. It is a signal. But if you're getting more than like 1.4% of your top 1% finishes, you're, tip, you're typically on the right track uh, compared to your results. So like if you're getting like 1.8, 2.0 in the top 1% and you're not pro- and you're negative money, that's a sign that maybe you're getting a little bit unlucky. And if you're like putting in like 0.06, 0.6%, and you won $100,000, that's more of a sign that you, you may have gotten lucky. You're like you, Your process produces probably negative EV lineups, and one of them just happened to – you got one that may have been plus EV, and your, your, your process in and of itself is probably not fundamentally sound outside of hoping for – hoping to, to you know, get the, you know, the lottery balls to go in the right way.
Yep. And th this is a uh, metric that you can track on Roto Tracker. The the top one percent buckets is uh, something that a lot of a lot of pros look at, and I know some also just don't factor it in. Some some pros I've talked to don't even look at their Roto Tracker one percent buckets. And I've heard another. I, I don't know if it was actually on High Stakes or a private conversation, but somebody said I actually think the point one percent is much more mm -hmm. informative than the one percent. So it's for uh, large it's field a content. That's more for lot like. Think in yeah. terms of if you're playing primarily small field contest, top one percent is, is even top five percent. I mean, like if you're playing a hundred man contest, top one percent is winning, yeah. right? Five hundred man contest, top one percent is the top five. So if you're playing mostly a thousand man contest, top one percent is top ten. Like that's fine. Yeah. Top two percent even. But if you're playing like contests that are thirty thousand entries. Top 1% is top 300. Right. And let me just tell you, putting a lineup in 280th place and putting a lineup in 12th place are dramatically different. So maybe it's much better for the, to come, did you come in the top 30 rather than the top 300? So really it depends on the field size. Yep. And uh, on that note, you shouldn't be comparing yourself to uh, the, the highest volume players. As I know uh, that like some high stakes players have put out their rotor trackers before. And it's like, that number doesn't look, as impressive as I might expect it to be, but that's because they're playing high stakes contests where the top 1% is, as you said, winning, which is very different than the top 1% in a, a large field contest. Right. If you're playing the Thunderdome with eight people, like that, what, what is that with top 1% that there's, that's, it has I, think to track, I think it has to be at least a hundred person, hundred people. Well, you can change the, the number. I mean, you can change the number. Yeah. The default is hundred plus person contest. Yes. Yeah. Let me take a minute away from this conversation with Jordan Cooper to tell you about our sponsor, Nose Advantage. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Noah's Advantage is bringing you a different way to enjoy DFS with player props contests. It's 100% peer-to-peer to help level the playing field with over 500 player props offered. All new users get a $25 deposit bonus with promo code AWESOMO. That's A-W-E-S-E-M-O. Noah's Advantage has mass entry capability with big prize pools. Beat your friends, not the house. Use our Noah's Advantage projections and optimal lineup tool to help you take down big prizes. Download in the App Store or play on noahsadvantage.com. All right, uh, let, let's move on, though, to some uh, miscellaneous questions. Uh, 
the first miscellaneous question we got is one that I actually was not going to uh, ask you when I first saw it, because I typically don't ask questions if I think they're asked by somebody who is being a jerk. I don't, I don't want people to be a jerk to my, my, my uh, guests generally, but I thought that you might actually be able to answer this question. Uh, and I actually, I had somebody in my DMs literally last night uh, was asking me, could you evaluate my process? And he said, I'm actually blocked by Blender. I got tipsy one night and started an argument with him and he blocked me and he said, in retrospect, big surprise, he was right, I was wrong, uh, but I'm blocked by Blender. Uh, I got a, this is a question from somebody else, a, a different uh, listener, BadgerNation30 asks, why do you block people whenever someone doesn't agree with you? Uh, I don't block people when they don't agree with me. I block people that I don't want to communicate with anymore. <laughs> and typically that has nothing. And, and I'll, I'll just put it, put it out there. It never, first off, here's the two. I, I, it, I always have explanations for things. One, I'm blocking you because I, I, I answer people on Twitter. I get no, I, I'm, I'm an, I don't mind notifications. Right, so if I if if someone has a mentioned me on Twitter, my phone goes off. Right, if I get a DM on Twitter on Discord or anything a mention, my phone goes off because I'm typically able to, I can answer it pretty quickly. I I have no problem. I don't want to be one of those people where you never hear from them or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But if you're if you're spamming my mention that button and and not adding anything to a conversation, like I'm just gonna. I don't, I don't want those notifications anymore. So the only way for me to do that without turning off all the notifications from anyone else is to block you. And then uh, the, the uh, number two is that this, this is the type of person I am. Like I said, I'm an obsessive person. And I don't mind. I don't mind taking the time. Uh, if, uh, if you're annoying me or I think you're an idiot, I will look at your timeline. And if your timeline contains certain things, I will immediately block you and it has nothing to do with DFS. And I will I, I will literally immediately, and you will never be unblocked. Because it's basically, uh, based on your timeline, it is someone that I literally want no, I, I, I do not want to talk to or be a part of whatsoever. Uh, and is there a way? So I'm just adding this question uh, for, for the, I think that the guy that was uh, in my DMs is from the first set where it was probably just annoying you. I don't think, mm. I actually didn't look at his timeline, but I don't think that he is uh, the, the second uh, type of person. Uh, is there a way for anybody to get back in your good graces and be unblocked? Is there any mechanism for somebody to uh, to prove to you that they are worth- Let me know, who is it? Did, did, with? Can, do you want to disclose it on the- I'll, I'll disclose it after. I, I, he, I didn't, he didn't okay, ask well, this question. Okay, well, you'll disclose and I'll see. And if it, if it, I'll see. All right, all right, fair a lot, a lot of times I've unblocked, I've just gone to my, my like after like a year or something, I'll just go into my, okay, I'll just unblock all these people because most likely maybe they don't even follow me. I don't have to worry about it. But once I start seeing notifications, like, get out of here. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I figured you might have a good answer for that, which is why I decided ultimately to ask it, even though I thought it was uh, not, uh, you know, necessarily positively intentioned question. I thought it still might be a, a question that you would have a good answer for. So I'm glad I asked it. Uh, but let's move on. Andrew DeCourcy asks, as stand-up comedy makes a mini comeback, would you ever consider dusting off the mic and venturing back onto the stage one more time? Also, do you have any interesting stories from your stand-up days? Thanks for the content and getting me to think differently about my lineups. I don't think I'll do stand-up again. I mean, also, I haven't written material in six years or something, seven years. I mean, I can't do my jokes from 10 years ago. I mean, a lot of them are dated as it is. I mean, I and, and 
I, I mean, I did comedy on the road. I got paid to do comedy and I did, if you had been to a funny bone or a comedy zone or a, or a, whatever the hell a zanies name, name your, name your thing in the Midwest or the South. You may have seen me. I've, I'm the guy that went on, but the guy before you, you went to see, right? I've typically, the guy that did 30 minutes before the, the typically there's the local guy that does 10 minutes. And then there's a guy that does like 25 to 35. And then the guy that's on the poster that does the 60 minutes. And, and on the, on the Tuesdays and Wednesdays at the bars or whatever, as part of those runs, I would be, I would end up doing 45 because they're not going to pay that guy to do a Tuesday in uh, the middle of Oklahoma for 28 people. So like that, that was me. Uh, but it doesn't pay, it doesn't pay very well. And you're on constant in, you're constantly in the, trying to book more gigs. So you're constantly calling people and sending in your avails and then people forget who you are. The, the booker changes. It's a pain in the ass. And uh, if you want to be a starving artist, it's, it's fine in your twenties. It's exciting or whatever. Uh, but uh, I don't need, I don't need to do to me, the stuff I do in DFS satisfies my getting on stage and performing, you know, mentality. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm fairly funny and moderately entertaining in some way that you, like, you I'm, I perform audience. in front of, I, 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 when, when I started doing shows uh, online and I, I used to do a tech podcast, I was in the tech space. I used to do a live show uh, with tech news or whatever. And many times uh, well, by, by, like, after like two or three years, at the two or three year point of doing the tech podcast, I was getting, there were more people listening to me rant about tech news on a live stream than a, a Thursday through Sunday six show run at a comedy club, right? Because that, that only holds like 200 people. And it would be even be sold out most of those shows. So it's like, dude, I could just sit here and rant and make jokes about technology and there's you know three thousand people listening to me like isn't this isn't this stand-up isn't this what i mean like right like what what what's what's the difference just because i'm not there in person or anything well like, i think I, mean, I think i've heard i've heard you say before that the smartest people the smartest group of people you've ever uh interacted with was comedians uh so so do you miss that at all the you know the camaraderie with fellow comedians trying to make it and you know uh, finding gigs, uh, different various places. Do you ever miss that aspect of it? Uh, I mean, it depends. The driving sucks, but yeah, out, out of all, all, all the, all the groups of people that I've been part of. So like, it would be like, like tech people, poker people, uh, sports people, like who else? Video game people, DFS people, gambling people, uh, intellectually. Uh, the, 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 I, I'd say number, number one, uh, the wrestling people, wrestling people are at the bottom, by the way, uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought the, the average the wrestling wrestling. fan is, is extremely dumb. Uh, the, the average standup comic is, are the smart, are the, they're the smartest, like that conversations that you could have with, with comedians. I'm not saying all comedians, but right. most, yeah. a very large proportion are very well-read, well-educated because you need to know references. You need, you, you're viewing the world as an outsider and commenting on it. And also uh, you have to, rem you, that in comedy, it's, uh, it's, all, it's all an objective uh, meritocracy. I'm not talking about in who succeeds 
as a person, but I'm talking about from a material standpoint. So like you could talk about any subject with any comedian for any reason. And as long as you're looking at it objectively from a, uh, from a joking perspective, there's no, like the amount of different types of people that you meet doing stand-up comedy from different backgrounds. Like as long as you, as long as you stepped on stage on the, with that microphone, we're all part of the, we're, we have much more in common than anything else. So in a green room in a comedy club, there's three comics there. Doesn't matter what race, what gender, what, and for the most part that, and it doesn't matter if what one person's political views even doesn't like we're, we're first and foremost stand-up comics. Mm-hmm. Like it's, that's, that's our, that's our in-group. Everything else doesn't really matter that much, right? And as long as you're within the, the stand-up comic realm, feel free to talk about, we've, I've had conversations about philosophy and, and math and math law, any, you know, that you would never have with anywhere else. I mean, yeah, there are smart people in the DFS space. I mean, me and you talk and, there are plenty of people that have smart conversations, but just in general, that like randomly, like if you just randomly met someone that played daily fantasy sports, what would what would your conversation be with them? Just someone that just played. That's it. Probably or not as intellectual yeah. as, yeah. but if you if you talk to a stand up comic, you're most likely talking to someone that that is is very is very either well well educated or at least very of, above average intelligence. Okay. Uh, so, so, I mean, uh, do, you, do you, I mean, I, I guess you kind of answer whether you, it sounds like you miss it at least a little bit, but not, not enough that you're willing to go back to that lifestyle, uh, given to the, the lifestyle you have now. Do you have any interesting stories that you want to share from those days? I, I don't really have stories. I mean, like it, nothing, that, nothing insane happened. I mean, I've, I've met a lot of famous people that, I mean, I used to be friends with, I used to be friends with people that are now famous, right? Anyone that, you want to name drop? No, I could name, I've name dropped before. There are people that I've met, there are famous people that I met, because to me, there's a difference, right? There are people that I've met, and I can name a ton of people. I've met Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld, anyone from Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, and, and I mean, Bill, Bill Burr. I mean, like, you go back to the late 90s and early 2000s, you name a comic or anyone in comedy. I've met Eddie Murphy. There's a, I mean, but it's the type of thing where, they're doing a, a, a drop-in at a comedy club and you're in the green room type. Like, hey, what's going on? Hey, what? I'm in the booth at the comic strip because they have a little booth there with the camera or whatever. And you're sitting there, you're watching the show and Chris Rock comes in because there's a little green room in the comic strip. Steps on the little step, looks at you and goes, how's the crowd tonight? I go, no, they're pretty good. It's like, yeah, how's it? And like those types of conversations. Yeah. Like, is that knowing someone? No, that's not really knowing someone. There's that. And then people that even today... If you said my name, they'd know who you are. So, like, to me, that's that's the difference yeah. between, so, like, like people that I was, like, friends with, that if you said, if you showed them a picture of me and said Jordan Cooper, they they go, oh, my God, I, re- I remember. You know, like, like someone I haven't talked to in God knows how long. Like, uh, I used to hang out with uh, Aziz Ansari, uh, 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 Jim Gaffigan, Judah Friedlander, wow. Jim Florentine. I mean, it, it basically, you're going back to the, Late '90s, early 2000s. Amy Schumer, uh, uh, Whitney Cummings, I guess. Also, I mean, it's a lot like, of games, right? They're basically, people that 
people that hung out at the at the comic strip in New York City uh, when I in 2000 and 2000 to 2005 era, where you just hang out and do late night spots essentially at the comic strip or the comedy cellar. And so there, there were a lot of nights where on a Tuesday night at the comic strip, that because what would end up happening at the at the comic strip, they would they, they did late night spots. So if you were passed, essentially you were booked there. You would have to audition, and then if they thought you were good enough, you'd call in a voicemail hotline because they'd do spots. Because everyone got like ten or fifteen minute spots. It wasn't the type of club that you just get a an hour or something. And they'd book like ten to twelve comics per night, starting at eight thirty. And the show technically would end at like 11.15. But it's a, bar, it's a comedy club bar, and it's New York City. So people would come in even at 10.30. So basically, the club treated it as as long as there are people there, the show goes on because they could sell drinks. So if you were a comic that were, was passed there, you could, there was always a little on the, on the spot sheet, which showed the set list, you know, the, the comic list and everything, the schedule. There's always a, the comment card turned around to the other side would be the late night list. And any comic that doesn't have a spot that night that wants to do five minutes at the end of the, at the end for those spots, first come first serve. So I'd show up and, you know, be second or whatever. And a lot of time, I tell you a lot of times in like 2003 or something like that, the, and you'd bring up the, the host wouldn't even be there anymore. So it'd be, you do five minutes and you bring up the next person who does five minutes and you do, and the show would not end until the, basically we've sometimes got to the point it's 1230 and there's only two people left and there's still two more comics on the late night list. And we're saying, Can you, there's only two more comics. Don't go because if the two people go, then we can't even try our material. Typically we're just trying out material, right? We're not even doing real sets. Uh, but a lot of times that late night, that late night, Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A list would be... I'm just going to say this only... No one's going to get it, but DF Sweetler would be one. No one's going to get it unless unless you're a comic from New York City and you know the comic strip. You know that he, that he was a regular host there, a comic, but he was always there early. Anyway, he was he hung out because he lived in the area. So 
it's almost impossible not to have the first late night spot without it being DF Sweetler being the first one because he was there. It's first come, first serve, essentially. Uh, so it would be DF bringing me up, me bringing up Aziz, Aziz bringing up Amy Schumer, Amy Schumer bringing up Judah Friedlander, right? Bringing up someone, and then then another person you've never, never heard of. I mean, again, I mean, I'm just naming, there could be 10 other people, and I, I'm not going to name those other people because you have no idea who those people are. Yeah. But like a lot of times like that. So that was kind of the people that I communicated with a lot. So like taking the subway, like Aziz went, was going to NYU at the time. So a lot of times uh, uh, we'd get in someone's car at the comic strip because they were heading down to the comedy cellar and got a comic strip is the Upper East Side. The comedy cellar is in the village. So like, like some, someone like Justin McKinney or Judah Friedlander or Ian Bag or someone would have a car and like the four people are going down to the cellar you know, like two people, and it's like, okay, well, I'm. I get in because a lot of times I I had to go to work the next day, and it's easier by this by the by the in the village to get right on the the D or Q train that I needed rather than get on the four and then take the train and have to transfer there. So I would hop on the ride, not go to the cellar, but just get into the West Fourth Street station. And a lot of times they drop Aziz off on 59th Street, where he had his place when he's going to NYU, and like it was a lot of that type of stuff. In New York City, so like that's that's where that comes around. So like that's what I mean by it's the type of thing where I knew them well enough that even at even twenty years later, you could go like I remember that dude. But it, that's so much different than saying like I know Adam Sandler because I met right. him once, you know, and said hey at the comic strip one time. I was I was actually going to ask you using that metric. I was going to ask you if there's anybody that. I know as a comedian who would know who you are. So I, I was coming to the same metric that you are is who will remember you uh, that is famous. And that, that sounds like a pretty impressive group to me. Uh, a lot, a lot of pretty famous. It's not impressive now that I'm doing this and they're, and they're selling out theaters or something. <laughs> I mean, you, you might be making more money than a lot of them. Well, not, so. not, not, I mean, I don't think the list of people that I've, but the average, I mean, nine, over 99% of people that take the stage at an open mic, the first time we'll never get paid to do stand-up, never get paid yeah. once to even do stand-up comedy. And, and it may not even be, it may be more than that. So like, if you get paid anything to do, because you, you have to basically, you know, get, be unpaid and bomb a lot. Like maybe the first five years, when, when you hear, most of the time when you first hear of a comic and you're like, I never heard of this person. And they have a Netflix special or something for a half an hour, for an hour. It's like that person, and it, the person looks like, look, they're like 38 years old or something. And you're like, okay, this is a new comic. And then you find out they've been doing comedy for 17 years, right? right? Like, and that's the first time you've heard of them. Like, uh, like I knew uh, Zach Galifianakis back in the day. I knew Zach from when I was 17, when I started doing stand-up comic, comedy. He, he was not, he was not his way, he was thin. He did not play the piano. He did not, like, his act was, like, just as he was a straight-up stand-up comic. Mm. He was a straight, you know, had, had, had bleached blonde hair or whatever like that. We, we, we'd, had, we'd have pizza together because there was a pizzeria right by stand-up New York. Is he someone that would probably remember me? I, I, I was, because he moved to L.A., like, very shortly afterwards, so probably not. But, like, that's someone that, like, well, six years later, they're, they're completely different than what they are. And then it's like, oh, this new guy in the hangover movies. It's like, 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 dude, that's like he's been doing comedy for like 12 years. Like he seems new to you, but yeah. it took him that long to get to that point. 
and 99.9% of people, survivorship bias-wise, they're gone. So like you get, I get a lot of, I used to get a lot of relatives or friends or, you know, of, of other people that would say, oh, you're a comedian? Uh, do, do you know Jerry Seinfeld? Like, like, because they would only be able to name like, yeah. like the greatest and biggest comedians they've ever heard of. And then you mentioned like, it's like, no, but, uh, but uh, you know, I, I perform a lot with David Tell. And they go, and they go, who's David Tell? And I go, only like the top comedian. And Louis C.K., never heard of him. It's like, and this is back in like 1998 or something. Yeah. And it's like, these are the top comedians in New York City, Todd Barry or whatever. And these, Greg Giraldo, Patrice O'Neill. And they go, no, uh, did, how about uh, George Carlin? You ever play with George? <laughs> like, like, no, it, no, it kind of doesn't work that way. No, no, yeah. I, I wish, but, uh, but no. <laughs> that's funny. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because that's, uh, that, that was interesting to me. And that sounds like I would be super nostalgic about those old days. Uh, but, uh, but nothing uh, interesting happens. There's not, I mean, it's really not as exciting. It's a bunch of, it's a bunch of comics hanging out. Typically there's a sports game on bitching and moaning about some road gig or something like that. And you're just drinking, drinking whatever free drinks that the club allows you to drink. And, and, and that's about, and and talking about whatever. And then really comes the, (laughs) the conversations would be whatever. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm satisfied with that answer. We can move on. Uh, got a listener question from the Mish who asked, have you ever considered using DK crowns for anything other than contest entries? I don't think so. Okay. I use them as I get them because they, they can only go down in value. They're not going to DraftKings ain't going to make the crowns worth more. I mean, come on, that's stupid. And most likely whatever you're spending the crowns on, there's a markup on anyway right? A margin on the cost of the item or some. So even if it's like, oh, you spend the crowns on some, some item and then you sell the item, like you're still 550 crowns equals $1. I'm going to be using the, I'm going to be playing the contest anyway with dollars. So why not use the crowns? Because what's the word? I have a million crowns and now they're worth zero. I mean, like, or they go down in value. Like, why am I, why am I, if I wanted that item from the crown store, the dynasty store or whatever they're i they're i could buy it on amazon i mean like yeah. come on what do i need the credit they don't do the experiences i think I, I i i wasn't around during that time maybe before 2015 where you could save them up and then get like a like uh and uh, you could uh, behind the scenes look at the nba arena with so-and-so coach like yeah. something that like that you can't buy Right then, I can understand if you if you value those types of things, that would be worthwhile. But as of now, is there anything like that? No. Yeah, I I'm, I spend all mine on contest entries. I pretty much use them as I get them too. So uh, I'm in the the same boat as you are. Uh, one piece of tax advice I got from Peter Kwan, who is uh, my CPA, is that if you are having a, a winning year, if you're up for the year, it makes sense to save them for the following year because they are taxable. Uh, of course, I have never been able to hold, I, I forget and just use them and, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, but it's something that you could consider if you are up for the year, holding on to your crowns for the following year. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, I just use them for contest entries too. All right, let's move on. Uh, Will Patterson asks, what are they doing with your third tiebreaker for the MMA final? Uh, so we can do round two on Saturday. What, what's going on there? Is, is the I, I round two on Saturday? I oh, you lost. lost. I lost oh. yesterday. Oh. Uh, I had to do it at MLB. I, we had to do an MLB slate for the last spot. And I, and I lost. Uh, but it was an interesting thing. I, I didn't follow my own advice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to freely admit it. I, I, I got scared. 
I got scared. I'm, I'm, gonna admit, I'm gonna admit my mistake. Because I knew it was a mistake. I knew it was a mistake at the time. But I, I, th I, I thought too optimistically. Okay. Uh, so me and McLovin had to play uh, MLB slate yesterday with Tuesday, June 28th. Exactly. Uh, because they were, they were at MMA slates. And they're like, they need to get this down to 30. And we've been playing these tiebreakers, four out of six, two out of four. And we're tying a bunch for certain spots. Uh, so then it's MLB head to head. So. Uh, I pretty much know the lineup that McLovin is going to play. I know within a 2v2 or something that's very close on most days. Uh, so, uh, but I wasn't sure. There was like, there were like five lineups that I thought that we could, that were, that were playable, that he would play or is close to playable. And uh, turns out like uh, he had Kyle Garlick as a cheap player in his lineup. And I didn't expect that. I expected a cheap player. It was a Dodgers slate. Dodgers were chalk. Trace Thompson, Chris Taylor, Will Smith, uh, no, Austin Barnes, Trey Turner. Those were like locks. And then you had Carlos Rodon. That was that was a lock. You could just lock those people in. And then from those points, it's like either you play Wheeler or you play Ray or you play Votto or you play Chavis or you play Freeman. You either play Muncie or India or maybe Alberto, even though he technically didn't project well, so you wouldn't play him. Uh, third base was Josh Smith, right? And then you were playing some some uh, cheap. Either you went up for Soto, or you went down and played some cheap hitter. It could have. It was going to be Fran Reyes, but he wasn't in the lineup. It could have been like some twenty eight hundred dollar. I ended up playing Rob Rebsnyder of the of the Red Sox. He played Garlic. But these 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 lot. I, I explain this all because there's late swap involved, right? Because yeah. I could see. I could see what he's doing as he could see what I'm doing. So once I saw that after the first game's locked that he had garlic, I'm like, okay, let me go to my optimizer and lock in garlic and go, well, what could he have? And then eliminate the guys that he that already locked that he can't have. Well, he doesn't have Wheeler. So once he didn't have Wheeler, I knew he has, I know he has Ray and Rodon. So I could lock those guys in and go, let me see what he more likely has. And then I look and I go, okay, there's an eight. The, the, the 805 game is the Cubs game and the Reds. And we got India, Votto, there. Like, those are mm -hmm. options. So it's like, I'll know more about it. I have Votto in my lineup currently, right? But I don't have India because I have Muncie there. Uh, so it's like, I'll know more about his lineup. If he also has Votto, I'll know much more about his lineup because most likely he has Muncie and not India. And we're sharing players uh, other than the Wheeler versus Ray. Now, at that point, Wheeler gave up two home runs in the first inning. And I'm sitting there going, I may just have to just swap everything. Because yeah. if Wheeler's going to put up, like, four points, like, I'm in very bad shape. Uh, he ended up putting up 20, uh, which almost was a was a problem, right? If he would have died earlier, I would have just slate-swapped everything. Uh, so then his lineups, at 8.05, I see that he has India, and I have Votto locked. So I know he doesn't have Votto, and I know he does, probably doesn't have Muncie. Right, so now uh, a ten comes and the Rangers game locks, and we both have Josh Smith. So now I got thirty minutes before the eight forty uh, cores game, and we all we both have five Dodgers in our lineups because they, they were the highest projected team by far. So now um, I I I'm looking at my lineup, going, what happens if I just take out all the Dodgers? What do I play if I just have to swap everything? And then I look at those lineups and I go. 
Well, what happens if I take out only one of them, only two of them, only three of them? If I take out Trace Thompson, what do I play? If I take out Trey Turner at shortstop, who's expensive, what does that lineup look like? With all the guys that I already have locked, just to see because Wheeler's sitting there at like 12 and a half points because he's doing decently. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I'm, I'm looking through this and it's like, well, okay, India got a hit. And then Garlic had six points at that time. And I'm looking, I'm going, by the time like 835 came around, Wheeler already kind of reverse shipped. Like he was already coming and he, he had like, he was about 20 points. Mm-hmm. And I looked, at, I looked at my lineup and I, and I, based on the combinations or whatever, uh, he's going to have Freeman, I have Votto. Votto hasn't even, Votto got up once. He still has three more at bats. I look at all my, I look at all my spots and I go, go, dude, if Ray doesn't hit like 20 points either, like I probably win, right? Like I probably win, right? Like if, if Ray doesn't hit 20, I, even though we're sharing like six guys, or seven guys like I, I, if Ray, it's Robbie Ray for crying out loud. Yeah. You've seen him walk five guys and give up six runs. I mean, like, right. that isn't like not, not, I wouldn't want to have roster Robbie Ray with the, something on the line. So it's like, should I do that or should I just what should I, should I ho- ho- pray for the worst and just swap everything? Just take out Austin Barnes. And I, I would have ended up on some Diamondbacks. I would have ended up on show, like, I wouldn't have ended up on Carson Kelly. Kennedy, the second baseman for the Diamondbacks, Shoei Otani, who had three for three with a home run. Yeah. I would have ended up on some time, was still stuck with Trey Turner in that case. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I would have ended up with, with a lineup that would have destroyed him, even with Robbie Ray getting 29 points at, at pitcher. I also considered, do I switch Rodon to Ray? Do I just block Ray and hope Rodon has the bad game? But I thought that Rodon is more, that was much higher projected than Ray yeah. and much lo- lower, lower variance. But so five minutes to go, I, I convinced myself that instead of making the swap, I think there's enough, what's the probability of Ray getting, getting hit? Ray only putting up 17. Well, his, I had his median projection at 17, right? So it's like, it's very easy for Ray to just get 16, 17 points and mm-hmm. 
and then just deal with with everything in there. I don't mind taking taking you know Muncie. Uh, it, he has Freeman in India, and I have Muncie and Votto, and 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 okay, then it's a two v two, and whatever happens happens. Uh, no, I I think I I I believe. I mean, I, I've said this before. I believe the best move would have been when in doubt, swap and get rid of those combinations. When in doubt, just give your give yourself a chance. You believe that you're down with Wheeler even at 20 points because he was way more expensive, $1,300 more. And you think that you're way too low projected in comparison to his lineup based on that. I should have just swapped that. I should have just like, why am Carson Kelly? I'm like, what am I, what am I doing here? Because the fear, the fear that you have is, well, what happens if Ray just what happens if first inning Ray gives up four runs? And I'm sitting there with no Dodgers in my lineup. The Dodgers put up 10 runs and I look like a complete idiot. Like all I needed to happen was Ray not to die. I lost the head-to-head by nine points. Cool. Ray put up 29 points, right? Didn't I say all I need to do is prevent Ray from having 20 points? And I had this meeting less than 20. Like is that the right decision? Like based on the results, I should have I should have swapped. But I think, with all things being equal, if I'm even thinking about it, I should swap. Like unless I have, it should be. Most people think the other way. They go unless I have a compelling reason to swap. Right, I'm just gonna stick with my life. I'm gonna stick with what I got. I think it should be unless you have a compelling reason to stick what you got. You should be more inclined to swap in those spots. I and like I, you, you I didn't follow that. There. Are you trying to avoid a new catchphrase? Because you set up a rhyme. You said, when in doubt, and then I thought you were going to say swap it out, but you just like switched up your whole language there to avoid the rhyme. Are you, you, you don't want that catchphrase on your... When in doubt, swap it out? I don't know. Yeah. It seemed, I'll I let someone else I thought you were setting it up. All right. Now I'll let someone else I'll take it. I'll start using that one. Okay. All right. Uh, I, I think that answers that question. Uh, sorry, Will, that you won't be able to meet Blender in person at the live final. Um, all right, now I've got a series of questions. I'm just going to ask them together because I think they're all related. Uh, Rodrigo asked, why is he so awesome? I'm not going to let you answer that question. Uh, Shrek says, uh, while I agree with everything that you say about Blender, he is also very patient with the Discord masses. Why? How does he do it day after day? And then Michael Orr followed up Shrek's comment and said, even better than this, he was doing one-on-one -on -one Zoom calls with people who bought the uh, Theory of DFS course. That convo was a goldmine for me and got me way ahead of the MMA curve. Uh, so I think the general question is, why are you so patient with uh, people who are trying to learn DFS? I'm not patient. I'm a complete opposite. I'm very impatient. I'm imp But the thing is, I'm impatient with people that don't want to learn, right? If you don't want, if you want, I want, uh, why can't you just give me a quick answer? Like the, if you, those types of people, I'm extremely, I'm extremely rude to. I can tell you I, I'm absurdly rude, right? I have to stop myself from being rude. I'm rude to lazy people. You can't look it up. You're not, you're competing. Look, you're competing against people with PhDs. You can't Google something. You can't look at it. Is this guy out of the lineup? Well, look at the starting lineups page. Yeah. Well, what happened to what what uh, what happened to this guy in this game? It's like go to NBA.com. Like what what like look at it yourself. I mean, like what why are you asking me these questions? So like those are the types of people that I have no patience for whatsoever. I don't want to deal with it all. But the people that want to learn, I can spend four hours explaining a concept to. So like like they, they, those are that's the survivorship bias of those people. If you bought my course, I mean, I for for testimonials, I was sending out emails like, "Hey, you write something nice, 
I'll twenty thirty minutes on Skype or Zoom, and I'll answer whatever the hell, whatever, whatever it is you want. I don't, I don't care. And I did, I probably did 40, 50 of those. And of course, I I I, I do them about once a week now, another place. And I obviously answer questions on on YouTube five days a week. I mean, I answer all the time. I answer emails. Yeah. But if you show a will that you're willing to learn, you're not looking for the answer key because there is no answer key. <laughs> If you're with that, I, I have no problem. I've gone through Marble's examples for that very beginner stuff with expected value of like, okay, it's a six-sided die. If I had a chance of guess, if you had a, ch- a one-dollar bet to get the, you know, the right, and I'm paying you three to one, like, is that better than uh, me uh, having a fifty-sided die and I'm paying you eighty to one? Like that, like very basic of understanding that yes, it's less likely for you to to get right the, the 50-sided die, but you get paid more than the probability. Well, one is you'll get right more often, but you're not getting paid the actual, but like that's, I mean, that's what expected value is, but I'll go through and I'll, spe- I, like that example I just ran through, I could take someone through an hour of that. I'm like, okay, how about this and this? And then how about that? And then once you see them piecing stuff together, it's like, okay, now, now, now we could move on to, to things in DFS because now you, now you, now you've you've opened up your mind to how to think more about the game, but the types of people where where I go through that and they go, why wouldn't I want to play? I'm gonna get the, the I'm gonna get the coin flip right half the time. Like if you don't understand why you shouldn't be getting that you should be getting less than even money on a coin flip, how am I gonna speak to you any further? I mean, like I don't I don't see where else it would go. So, like I'll respectfully bow out of this conversation. And then you block them. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, next question. Uh, John Souza asks, how many people playing DFS right now would know what clown car and dinky do are referring to? I should have looked up what these mean in case they're vulgar or something. I don't know what these things are referring to. No, that's DFS. I, I DFS soccer. Okay. So I used to do a, I used to do a podcast almost every day, just ranting about DFS soccer. That was way back the fantasy flush, right? Way back in the day. And then, then I started doing soccer podcasts with another site. Uh, so I would always come up, I was just improvising stuff or just like, like, uh, so the clown car is uh, when a, a soccer team fully rotates their, their players. Okay. So like typically they'll have two games during the week and like they'll have a game on Saturday and then I'll have a short turnaround to a Tuesday game. And in one of those games, instead of just rotating like one of the players, they're like, we're putting out like the youth academy and the backup here. So I, I, I just joke that they're just, they're sending out the clown car or a clown, a bunch of clowns, right? Like, yeah. like, so you're getting a clown. So that's a DFS soccer term inside of that community. And the dinky do is when you play uh, uh, two uh, low priced forwards in a, in a soccer lineup. So you have to play two forwards. And usually the two expensive forwards are the ones most likely to score a goal. But if they don't score a goal, they typically don't score very well. So as a floor play, it's like, well, if you do the dinky do, right, the two little, the two little, the two little forty-five hundred dollar forwards, you're able to jam in all the midfielders and defenders that you want. So I, I whatever reason I came up with it's the dinky do. So that's those are the only people that would get it if you play DFS soccer and listen to any of my soccer content from back in the day. Uh, Aha Bro asks, uh, do you care if players collude to enter 300 to 450 lineups in a 150 max contest? If they're bad, not, not at all. In fact, I want them to. So, like, yes. Uh, on an individual basis, the larger the field the contest is, it's, it's, not, it's not my number one priority. 
right? It's not like the difference of 150 more lineups that are plus EV that aren't bad lineups from bad players is not making that dramatic of an effect. Now, if if there were 80 150 maxers that then all played an extra 150 lineups, then we'd start talking about a problem. Then then I then then I'd say yes. When when you're adding another 10%, 15% of the entire field as plus EV sharp lineups and anything like that, yes, then 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 I have a problem with that. But the simply someone putting in it, it's, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter as much at all. That that's why it's not. I don't see. I don't. It, you, it's against the terms of service, so the site should care right. more about anything. But I I come from the perspective when it comes to all the the cheating and collusion and everything like that. That who does it affect the most? It typically affects the pros the most the high stakes play if you think someone is colluding in five hundred dollar thousand dollar three mans or head heads and then multi-accounting and everything like that the people that have the most to complain about are those people mm -hmm. right and they're pretty they're pretty visible people right you'd hear you'd hear alex complaining about it you'd hear you know, Steve's complaining about it or impact, yep. right? If they're not complaining about it, then it's probably not affecting their body. Either, either one of two things. I have to, either it's not affecting their bottom line or they're the ones doing it. So like, obviously that I have to throw in that they're the ones doing it. I'll so defend Stochastic here and say they're not doing it. Right. But I'm just saying else. that would be the reason between the two. So yep. when I, when I hear, when I don't see high stakes players that are, that are complaining about it, like most likely it's not a problem or it's, they are, it is, it, it's happening, but it's actually either a benefit to them or neutral to them, right? Like, like I said, if you, if two people want to try to collude, bad players want to collude against me in a three-man, good luck, go for it. If you're bad, you're probably not going to even know what my lineup is, and the lineups that the two of you play together are probably going to be worse than that anyway. So, like, good luck, play another 150 lineups. I don't care. Yep. All right. Uh, quiz asks... Uh, he stated before that his wife gets home in the morning from work. So why is he constantly yelling "Good morning, grinders!" every day while she's trying to rest? Well, she doesn't get home. She works from home. Okay. But, All right. uh, but she she uh, she wears uh, uh, like whatever you're a night muffs, like Mops. not okay. earplugs, but like uh, it, they're they're speakers. So it's like it's like headphones. Oh. She she puts like uh, like, like noise uh, canceling. Yeah. No, I don't know. It's more. It's, it's they're, they're soft, but they're. But she puts on like like nature sounds or whatever, and she also puts on an eye mask. Like she sleeps better that way. So, uh, and and also the door to her bedroom is typically closed when she's sleeping. So she 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 doesn't typically hear me. Um, but I mean she she works uh, the third shift, so she works midnight to eight a.m. Uh, four days a week, uh, and she she does uh, crisis counseling. So. If if you're if you're in Kentucky and you call the suicide prevention hotline, you during those time during those hours, uh, you you may you may be talking to her. Right? But she also takes domestic abuse call. I mean, oh well, no one you you that it's not a job for the the someone that number one you have to have a lot of patience and also you have to be willing to listen to a lot of really screwed up situations and yeah. child abuse and domestic violence and. You have to call the police or the fire department or someone wants to kill themselves and and this person and like and, and then also just the normal that mental people that are mentally unwell 
that have no one else to talk to. So they're just lonely at three in the morning and, and have to talk to someone and they're not necessarily all that well in the head. So those conversations could go all over the place. Yeah. So, so that's what she does. And then I wake, and then she goes to sleep a little bit after eight in the morning. And then I wake up and I yell at people. Is that uh, is that tough having such different schedules? She's, she's working from midnight to 8 AM and you're uh, keeping a more regular schedule. Is that a, uh... Well, typically, typically we, 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 typically we see each other at, at, at night, typically, okay. you know, eight to midnight, right. Type of thing. I mean, and, and she's only working four. she only works four nights okay. a week. So it's not five. It's, it's so, so, I mean, we see each other enough. And also sometimes she's, she stays up past, sometimes she's like, it's, it's eight in the morning, but she goes out and does stuff or whatever. And she doesn't go to sleep until two o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And my show is done at noon. So, I mean, like it, there's enough time. If she was commuting an hour each door, that would be a little bit more time off. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, she works from home on the computer, on the headset, and that's right. it. She does. She doesn't. Uh, she's she's not complained that I'm that I'm waking her up. <laughs> All right. So I guess that's that's the answer. She she doesn't complain about it, so uh, it's probably not an issue. Um, and uh, speaking of uh, your wife, I know that she's gotten into professional wrestling with you. Uh, Aha Bro asked a question. Why do you like professional wrestling? Uh, because it, it, they're interesting stories. It's, it's, you, you don't, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very interesting art form. If you get, if you get into the art, if you look past, you know, like the bare basics, the, the interesting part of telling a story through athletic fake competition in a ring it's it's I, I consider it closer to ballet in that way where there's no sing there's no words or anything although obviously there's this pro i mean it's not high art i'm not saying it's high art but it's more similar to that and uh it's nowadays in, in wrestling and, and it felt like that even back in the 90s when i watched because i got back into it when the covid locked down because I didn't watch for like 15 years. Then I had nothing else to do. So I'm like, let me rewatch and see what's happened the past 15 years. And then you get into it again. Uh, but you, 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 go, you, go, you go back even to the to late 90s. Uh, I don't even know what I was going to say. I mean, just it's, it's, it, it's, more, it's more similar to science fiction or fantasy. And if you like superhero movies, Marvel, like... It's that, but it's it's obviously within the constraints of actual reality, right? Of course, there, yeah, yeah, you have supernatural B, yeah, the Undertaker, oh, like that. But it's because it has to be performed live in a ring. It can't. No one could have like no one could be could disappear, right? So you don't have you don't have like you know superhero characters like that. But right. it's still told. It's stories of you know moral tales and good and evil. And people switching sides and allegiances and little nuggets here and there. And then a lot of times those turns, those plot twists happen in the middle of a match through action. And that's why the best wrestlers can, can do it. And it's, and, it, and it's interesting. And it's like following a, like a soap opera. And I suppose there's probably some some nostalgic nostalgia factor there for you as well if you were into it as a kid. I never got into it as a kid, so I've, I've never actually sat down and watched an entire uh, wrestling program. I do have some uh, friends who are, have gotten super into it uh, in the past several years as well. So maybe maybe COVID got a lot of people uh, more interested in wrestling. It seems like it's kind of had a little bit of a resurgence uh, recently. Uh, that, that's actually that's is 
our last question there. So we, we have finally run out of questions and I can uh, ask you the, the question that I like to end this show with, which is uh, tell me about your favorite win or win celebration. Well, I mean, you know what I do for, for wins. Uh, I mean, I buy, the thing that I do is I buy the jersey of the lowest owned player in my lineup. Yeah, so I have uh, Aldrich Robinson, NFL jersey. That was for a showdown win. Uh, then I have T. Higgins. That was a slant win uh, in NFL. Then I have an, a Jorge Alfaro jersey. And that was, uh, that was for a baseball win. And then I have basketball jerseys, basketball jerseys. I have three of them. I have Cole Anthony. Uh, that was more recently. I have uh, a Wilson Chandler. Oh wow! Yeah, this is how 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 little I don't I don't look at my uh, my jerseys. Sorry, I'm just I'm just this this is so long. That I need to even put in my dummy uh, baseball lineup for oh, no. slate. I don't think that I'm playing this baseball slate. Right. Um, I didn't. I didn't expect this to go this long. But as long as I have, as long as I have, let's see, let's see, can I get this in in time? Because I, I mean, I, I could change after anything anyway. Yeah. Uh, let's save that. So live, I'm, I'm doing it live on the air. See, but most people don't get to see my process. Yeah, this is your process right here. Right? Put in, put in dummy lineups. Or just put in as, as, as long as a lineup that is valid. Okay, I'm yeah, good. Yeah. All right. I'm good. Okay, I'm good. Okay, now I'm not distracted anymore. So at least I, I'm playing lower volume today only because I didn't have time to enter as many contests. But yeah. let me at least put in uh, lineups that are actually valid, especially for the early games, right? If I have, like, guys... From like the 710, 707, 705, it's like, are they even in the lineup? I don't want to lock a zero in or something. Yeah. Okay. So Wilson Chandler, you've got Will's oh yes, Wilson Chandler, uh uh Tobias Harris. I mean, these aren't bad players. I mean, just so happened Tobias Harris was two percent owned on a slate. Yeah, like that. Uh Wilson Chandler, uh, I remember having a root the last 90 seconds of a game for a rebound. <laughs> Right, and I got a rebound on on a free throw attempt. So I, once once I saw that, it was like, okay, it's two free throw attempts, and Wilson Chandler's right in that like post spot, like the easy rebound spot. I'm like, just miss, just miss the second one. He missed that. Someone missed the second one or whatever. Okay, I got that. And then the only one that I don't have a jersey because I can't is my MMA 100K plus win is because they don't have jerseys for UFC fighters. So I just got a signed uh, Jessica Penne gloves nice so you know mma gloves because like what am i like i can't just get gloves like she she has no sponsored gloves or and like she was the lowest owned fighter and what can i get what 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 merchandise is available because that she's not even a popular fighter right so it's like it's not like a signed photo or like this so i just go on ebay i just type in jessica penny and it's like oh signed from 2016 you know the ultimate fighter whatever and there's like six, it's quantity six. So obviously she sucked. That was like her first UFC appearance on the, the, the Ultimate Fighter. And they probably, she signed 30 pairs of gloves or something. And there's some dude has six of them that aren't really worth much, right? I think I paid $35 nice. or something for it. 
And I'm like, okay, that commemorates that. I know, I know John Breslin does like baseball cards or like cards for those. That may have been better, right? Because at least you could find that for anything. Uh, but, but yeah, so that's, so I've, I've seven, seven trink. I don't wear these jerseys. Like I said, they're in my closet. I don't even do anything. I, I originally was going to display, like if I had a bigger office, I would display them almost like as trophies. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, but uh, I don't have enough room, right? I, I don't have enough like, like space and why, and, and, and I use a green screen anyway and whatever. So they're just in the closet. So you need a bigger, a bigger place for all of your jerseys, and so that your Roomba can make more lineups for you or choose more lineups for you. Uh, that's that's the next step for you in life is uh, getting a bigger place for for the Roomba lineups and and for the jerseys. It sounds like. Uh, all right, uh, Jordan. People can find you on Twitter at Blender HD. Anywhere else that people can uh, find you. Well, they can find me at my house. They can find that's you. At a, house, they yeah. can literally physically find me. I'm not going to tell you where I live, although you could probably look that up on the internet. Louisville, right? Right. I'm in Louisville, right? Uh, so even getting a big house in Louisville isn't that that expensive, right? So I, I could I could get a get more lineups in uh, at Blender HD on Twitter. Uh, if you want to if you want to take a look and buy the Theory of DFS, TheoryofDFS.com. Uh, I mean, it's 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 an audio course. You could I mean you could listen over and over again. And let me just tell you, the concepts that are in that course. Are no are not that much different than what Alex teaches at Stochastic. So it's not mm-hmm. like this isn't like the whole. I got all the answers. I'm not special. I just want to highlight, you know, like the people. I'm not. I'm not. I'm a community. It's like it's like Neil deGrasse Tyson isn't the best physicist. He's just he just he communicates concepts and it's yeah. not like he's wrong, but he doesn't claim to be the best physicist. But he he'll teach you about physics. So like. To me, Alex, Alex is great. Al- and Alex is a good teacher also, mm-hmm. right? I have a slightly different teaching style. Alex, I, I watch tons of stuff. I watch everything that Alex does. That's publicly interviews because I want to learn stuff, right? But I communicate a little bit differently than him. We do use tools differently. But what he teaches is they're the same concept. I mean, we're, we're talking about the same exact concepts. It's a matter of how you apply them and how you get to that, that point. And even on your podcast, this is the 20th episode. You've had 19 guests. They all have slightly different approaches, yep. right? But they still all contain these concepts. Even the people that say, I don't use projections. It's like, well, you do project players in your head then. right? Well, I, I don't, but, but that's technically what you're doing. It's like, well, I don't care about ownership. It's like, well, did why did you play this guy? Well, because not many people are going to play that guy. Oh, so you are using ownership. It's like, so like, all these concepts exist. We can't just say that math doesn't exist anymore. And if you're successful at playing DFS, if you're long-term profitable, you are using these concepts. You may be using them in slightly different ways and getting to different, doing different things. You're using, oh, I'm using 150 lineups. Oh, I'm using exposures. I'm using these tools. I'm using this. I'm coming up with things in the middle of my head and theories. And like, it all gets you to the same place. So you could be building great lineups and not even realize you're utilizing these concepts. but let me tell you, it's so much easier to play DFS when you could just say, oh, I'm going to pick up MMA. And within two, two weeks, you're like, oh, this is like NFL showdown. So it's like, oh, it, it maintains these types of concepts over there. Oh, you go to baseball. Oh, correlation matters in baseball, but it doesn't matter that much in basketball. In football, it's in the middle. Like, you can then take these concepts to go anywhere you want, and you play well. And if you notice, like Alex... Like a lot, like a lot of people at at, at uh, Stochastic, 
They're good at like all the sports. There has to be a reason for it. It's not because they know all the sports. It's not because the computer knows all the sports. It's because they're good at these general concepts. And if you, if you want to learn, if you think that you need a more structured education, 15 hours, like a seminar, theoryofdfs.com. But be more than welcome to watch any and listen to any of my free content or Alex and everyone, the guys at Stochastic, they, I mean, Adam talks about it. Uh, Josh talked that they, all you guys talk about, Neil, you, you, to, su- to some extent on every show. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I, I, this is the worst sales pitch ever of like, <laughs> you could get this if you want, but just understand that pretty much everything you're you learn a, here you, at Stochastic, you're, you're, you're going to learn the same things. You're recognizing that you're on a stochastic show. So you don't want to do too hard of a sell. You don't want to undersell, you know, the, the host of the show that you're on on stochastic uh, while also. But, uh, but it's not a competing product. It's just like, it's here's, not really. it's like buying a book. It's like buying a course. It's like, it's like, like it, do you, are you not getting, here's another way, like in poker books, I bought 30 poker books. A lot of them said the same exact thing in slightly different ways. And in certain books, I'm like, Oh, now I, like, I would read a two plus two book and go, like, I really don't understand why I'm raising here in stud. It makes no sense to me. But it, based on this thing, it says I should be raising on a fourth street here. But I'm, and then in another book, I'll read a stud book that was written by someone completely else. And they'll go through it and they won't even have that, that example. And then based on that, the way they explain something, we're like, yeah, now I understand why you're raised now in that situation, why you raised it. Because the way that they explained it to me, now I get the concept better. So, like, sure. How much was that book worth? 30 bucks? Well, great. 30 bucks. I mean, I, I learned something. If I learn one new thing in a book, poker book, I make, to me, the amount of money I was playing in poker was worth it. So like that, that to me, that's the selling point. But I just, I, I'm doing this not as a way to, to not sell or to, to say things that are like, oh, I need to like hype up stochastic. It's like, no, it's because I respect all you guys. It's like, I wouldn't be able to even make the course without learning stuff from you guys sure so a lot of a lot of different people uh expressing ideas in different ways can be useful uh so you can find jordan's way of expressing it on theoryofdfs.com you can also find jordan on twitter at blender hd thanks again to jordan cooper for joining me on episode 20 of high stakes to mike lawrence for producing and to you the audience for listening due to our busy summer schedules we've decided that episode 20 is a good place to end season one of High Stakes. If you have feedback or guest recommendations for season two, send me a DM on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. Enjoy your summer, and I look forward to continuing these conversations with guests and the audience in season two, which will premiere on Friday, August 26th. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? 
Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.